Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Turn with me to Hebrews, the 10th chapter and 35th verse. I want to talk to you this morning about living the life of faith. Now, I know all you experienced, mature believers, you deep sheep, don't need to hear another message on faith, but I do. So I'm just going to preach myself happy this morning, if you don't mind. You can stay if you like and listen. I'm going to start with the Amplified. I'll bounce around a little bit in different translations this morning. We're going to look at a lot of scripture, and we're going to do a lot of teaching this morning. But in Hebrews 10.35, in the Amplified, it says, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. Uh, Another word for confidence, you could use faith. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. For still a little while, a very little while, and the coming one will come and he will not delay. How many knows Jesus is coming back? In verse 38 he says, But the just shall live by faith, My righteous servant shall live by his conviction respecting man's relationship to God and divine things. And holy fervor born of faith and conjoined with it. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. Now here, the writer of Hebrews, which I believe to be the Apostle Paul, he's quoting Habakkuk 2 and 3 and 4. Uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, where Habakkuk said the just shall live by faith. So if you should draw back from the life of faith, because that's what it's talking about, living faith, the life of faith, walking by faith, he says God will have no delight or pleasure in you. In other words, he will not be pleased with you if you get off the faith walk, stop living by faith, and draw back for any reason. God will not be pleased. And we know from uh, last week or the week before, we talked about Hebrews eleven six, where it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So we know faith is important for the simple reason it pleases God when he sees us walking in faith and living by faith. He said the just shall live by faith. It's a lifestyle. Amen. And so we have to understand one thing about this passage of Scripture. It doesn't say that God stops loving us. You can be displeased with someone and still love them. I I don't know about your children, but every once in a while, our children did something that displeased me and Pastorette. But we never stopped loving them, never will stop loving them. It's the same with God. That's where our love comes from. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And so that same love will keep us loving people even when they're not pleasing to us. If you're carnal and fleshly, then your love is the same way. It's fickled and it will go in and out, up and down based on how people make you feel. And if they make you feel uh, warm and fuzzy, you'll love them. But if they make you feel or, or displease you, then you won't love them. That's not God's way. That's not our way. Amen. Hallelujah. So in verse 39, it says, but our way of living by faith, I added that, is not that of those who draw back to eternal misery or perdition and are utterly destroyed. That's what perdition really means is destruction. But we are of those who believe, who cleave to and trust in and rely on God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, And by faith, preserve the soul. So living and walking by faith is what pleases God. Faith pleases God. Drawing back from the lifestyle of faith does not please him. 
And uh, we don't draw back. We don't yield to negative things. We don't yield to negative feelings like fear, anger, or any other negative feeling. We may feel those emotions, but we don't yield to them. Amen? I mean, you could get angry, but the Bible says sin not. And the best way to sin not is keep your mouth shut while you're angry. Amen? Go outside in the back and scream or something, but don't yield to that feeling. And we never yield to feelings like fear. And uh, if we do, then we walk off the path of faith. Because fear is the opposite of faith. You can't be in fear and in faith. So you have to yield to one. Let it be your faith. Amen. I know feelings are strong. Emotions are strong. But we don't have to yield to them. We get ideas all the time. We get... Uh, Thoughts planted in our head all the time. Things come in and things go out, but we don't have to yield to them. We have a choice. And so we yield rather to the word of God. We yield to the walk of faith. We yield to living by faith and not walking by fear and not walking by our feelings. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, again in the amp, Apostle Paul repeats himself. He says, for we walk by faith. We regulate our lives and conduct ourselves by our conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things with trust and holy fervor. Thus we walk not by sight or appearance. So we especially can't live by our feelings because our feelings lie to us all the time. And feelings are constantly changing. They're constantly vacillating. They're constantly different all the time. Uh, because feelings come and feelings go based on what's going on around us, based on the circumstances around us, our feelings change. So we can't be like that. We need to be stable. We need to be steadfast. And the only way you can be like that is if you're walking and living the life of faith because you're walking by the word and walking in the will of God. So when we feel faithless, sad, or depressed... Don't tell me I'm the only one that ever feels like that. But when we have those feelings, we can't yield to them. And uh, in spite of the way we feel and what we want to do, we have to get up, put a smile on our face, and walk by faith. I don't feel like it. I don't feel what I'm supposed to be doing right now, but I'm going to walk it out by faith. And uh, someone said, yeah, but I ain't no phony. I'm not saying you are, and I'm not saying that walking by faith is phoniness because it's not. Yeah, but I don't feel that way. Why should I act like that? Because that's what faith is. You're not acting like you feel. You're acting like you want to feel. Amen? And that takes faith. Sometimes you have to love somebody by faith. Sometimes you have to hold your tongue by faith. There's a lot of things we have to do by faith, even though we don't feel like them, but uh, we don't want to walk by our feelings. We don't want to yield to those feelings because there, there'll be no good fruit produced by that. Amen? But when we walk by faith and put a smile on our face so that our kids don't know we're having problems, our spouse sometimes doesn't even know we're having problems, our employer doesn't know it, our friends don't know it because they can't see it on the outside because you're walking by faith. You're calling those things that be not as though they were. You're not yielding to feelings because there's nothing good going to come from that. Someone said, I'm too depressed to go to work or go to school or go to church today. I think I'll just stay in bed. See, those are feelings. You feel depressed. Uh, you feel sad. You feel tired. So you're going to stay in bed, but that's living and walking by your feelings. That's drawing back. That's pulling back from the life of faith, from the walk of faith, and God is not pleased with that. So what do you do? Put that old smile on your face, get out of bed, and go anyway. Amen. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I got out of bed sick laid there for a while and tried to talk myself into staying in bed, 
tried to talk myself into being sick so I wouldn't have to go to work or sometime even come to church. And uh, I would get up anyway. And I'm not telling you I had a smile on my face every time. But I went to work. I went to church. I went to school. I went to the grocery store. I did a chore. I cut my grass. Even though I didn't feel like doing it, I walked in faith and did it anyway. And every once in a while, I had a smile on my face if somebody was looking. And that's another, I didn't feel like smiling. But faith smiles. Faith has joy. Amen. Faith is convinced that things are going to get better. And I'm telling you, every time I went to work feeling sick and, and walked it out by faith, within a couple hours, I was feeling 100% better. Whatever it was just lifted and left me. And I know on the other side of the coin, if I would have talked myself into staying in bed, I'd have had to ride that thing out for days. Amen. So that's just getting up and walking it out in faith. Didn't feel like it. Felt terrible. But I called those things to be not as though they were. I called myself healed. And the first time it ever happened, I remember uh, the Lord spoke to my spirit. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I, I know he spoke to my spirit. And he said, I said, Lord, by your stripes, I'm healed. He said, then get out of bed and act like it. I'm telling you, I heard that in my spirit. That was the first time it ever happened. And the last time, because I never tried to stay in bed again after that. I just got up, put a smile on my face, and went. And uh, I'm telling you, that blessed me to no end. And that particular time, I even had a fever. And uh, no matter what kind of sickness or how you're feeling, when you have a fever, it's ten times worse. Uh, at least it feels that way. And uh, I'm telling you, before I got to work, that fever was gone. And within a couple hours, I was 100% feeling good. Amen. Hallelujah. God's word works. But sometimes you have to take a step. Amen. So feelings are all over the place. They'll lie to you. They'll change constantly. And if you walk by feelings instead of faith, then you'll be up and down, in and out, unstable and wavering. There's no stability in feelings. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. If you haven't left there yet, it's you're, you're close. Verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read this in the King James. Let me say something about translations. I know some people think the King James is the only transla accurate translation in the world. It's not. It's an excellent translation, but it's hard to understand sometimes. And that's why I use different translations at times. But the King James is what they call a word-for-word -word translation. The translator sat down and took one word at a time and translated it word-for-word. -word. And then there's other translations, that, like the Amplified or the New Living or something like that, that will expound on things and put it in a more modern language, but it does lose some credibility in the translation. There's no doubt about that. You can't just read other translations without knowing that you haven't left the doctrine of faith. And the King James will keep you on doctrine. It will keep you in line because it's word for word. And then they have these other translations that are thought for thought. They're not translating the word. They're translating the thought that's conveyed behind that word. And again, you can lose things in that translation. So uh, before I ever use a different translation, I always make sure it's in line with our doctrines and what we believe and close to the word for word. Amen. But it doesn't make us a heretic to look in other translations. Just know what you're looking at. Amen. And like the amplified in that, it brings it out. It amplifies it. That's why it's called the amplify. So they just expound on the word for word translation. But here in the King James, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So already we could say, well, now, what is he saying? He's just saying, well, now faith. Or is he saying now faith, present faith, right now faith. See, I don't know. We don't know because there's no emphasis on the word now. And uh, it says, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Well, it's a word-for-word -word translation, but it leaves a little bit to be desired because some of our English words don't coincide with some of the Greek words, like that word hope, for example. Our English translation of the word hope is like, I wish. I wish such and such would happen. I, I wish uh, this would be or that would be. And there's not a lot of faith in that, saying I wish. Uh, but the, the Bible definition, the Greek definition from the original text, that word hope means uh, confident expectation. That changes the whole meaning of it. And you'll get that from other translations. It will say a confident expectation or confidence or uh, expectation or something like that. And then it says in verse 2, for by it faith, by it faith, the elders obtained a good report. They obtained a good report from God because of their faith. So uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 could actually be translated like this. Now, faith gives uh, substance to my confident expectations. See the difference it makes? Rather than saying that the word hope. And... Uh, so this is what you get into when you get tran into translations. Uh, but I've read other translations. If you got the, the Blue Bible, Blue Hub Bible, it'll give you a hundred translations. You just look up the scripture, it'll give you a hundred different translations. And I found words like uh, persuasion, confidence, conviction, assurance. And uh, one translation actually said, Faith is the title deed to that which we confidently expect. In other words, it will give you ownership to the thing that you're having, putting your faith in. Amen? Let's look at an example uh, of Abraham, who's called the father of faith, or our father in the faith. And turn with me to Romans chapter 4, verse 16. I ain't going too fast for y'all, am I? Good. I need this. I know you don't need it, but I need it. I need to get back to the place where my faith was at one time at the ultimate high. I believe God for everything. I could trust God for everything. Healing, prosperity, protection, anything. But, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm not where I used to be when it comes to that. I've wavered a few times. Amen. I've questioned a few times, but I'm back on track now. I know you guys never left the track, but I did. Romans 4.16 says, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. So for by faith are you saved by grace. So it's faith and grace. Man, that's a powerful, that's a powerful dynamic duo, duo. You can do anything with faith and grace. And then, because uh, the promises, the ultimate promise is salvation. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He's our spiritual father in the faith. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. It was written in the book of Genesis when God made that prom, promise. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth or makes alive or resurrects the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. See, if you're sick, you got a disease in your body, you can call those things uh, which be as though they're not. Uh, so in other words, you know, I have sickness in my body, but I call it health. I call it healing. I call myself healed. I don't call myself sick. And uh, that's exactly calling those things which be not as though they were. I'm not healed right now. I'm sick in my body. I have a disease raging through my body, but I'm calling myself healed. My, my house isn't paid off yet. I still have a mortgage, but I'm calling my house paid. I'm calling my car paid. Incidentally, I, I really am because I took out a seven-year loan on the Kia. It's been like five years, and uh, we're paying it off this week. 
100% fully paid uh, two years early. Amen. And so I give glory to God for that. Hallelujah. But you got to call those things as though they're not. I mean, call those things which be not as though they were. It's not saying to call those things which are as though they are not. There's a big difference there because you could be uh, sick in your body and then you are uh, you could. I'm getting all turned around here. But anyway, you can't call things that are as though they're not. That's lying. But when you call those things which be not as though they were, that's faith. Because you're speaking what you want it to be. You're walking by faith. You're not walking by how you feel. So if you're sick and you go to the doctor, your wife grabs you by the ear, takes you to the doctor, sits you down in front of the doctor, and the doctor says, what's wrong with you? You say, nothing, I'm healed. No, that's a lie. You're calling those things that are as though they're not. You're, you're wishing them away. There's no faith in that. Amen? Tell the doctor what's wrong with you. Let him help you physically. Let him help you in the natural. Jesus said the good Samaritan poured in the oil and the wine, which was the medicine for that day, and then took them to an inn and put them up and cared for them. So there's nothing wrong with getting a little oil and wine poured in you for healing or helping you with symptoms, making you feel better while God is healing you. Now, if, you got, if you're a superman or woman of faith and you say, I'm healed in Jesus' name, and instantly you're healed, praise the Lord. Sometime I needed help from a doctor. And then if you're not going to do what the doctor tells you, don't bother going. If he prescribes medicine to you, he says, take this twice a day for 10 days, you better take it. Because rebellion or disobedience is... The same as witchcraft. Whether it's your rebellion against the doctor or you're rebelling against God's word, it's witchcraft. Amen. So we don't want to rebel. If you're going to do that, don't go to the doctor. Don't waste his time, your time, your wife's time, and don't waste your money. Amen? Sometime you need help. Ah, that's all I'm going to say about that. Lord, you know who it needs to fall on. You know the hard heads and the prideful ones. Let it fall on their ears. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who against hope believed in hope. See, Abraham had lost all hope of having a child. He's 100 years old. Sarah's in her 90s. She's past the childbearing. He's, I have no hope of having a child, not one of my own. And so it says that he had lost all hope of having a child. And even though it was more than he could hope for, yet he believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. The spoken word. God gave him a word. So shall thy seed be. You don't have to have a child with a concubine. You don't have to adopt a child. I'm going to give you your own heir. And Abraham, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. The first thing he had to do was not consider his dead body. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he couldn't even consider those things if he was going to believe God and hope and have a confident expectation to have a child of his own. He couldn't allow that doubt into his heart that he's too old and Sarah's womb is dead. That would be doubting. That's not faith. He would be going according to what he sees and what he feels. He couldn't do that. So it says here that uh, he couldn't even consider those things if he was going to, be, to trust God and believe his word. Uh, and then in verse 20, it says, he staggered not. He wavered not at the promise of God through unbelief, a promise that he would have an heir by his own seed, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Strong in faith, giving glory to God. See, when you're strong in faith, it gives glory to God. Why? Because your life shows it. You're saved, you're healed, you're prospering, you're delivered, you're full of love and joy and peace, 
and people can see you're living the abundant life because you're a Christian and a believer that's walking the life of faith. And they say, look at that. And that gives glory to God. Amen. 21, verse 21, it says, and being fully persuaded, not just persuaded, but fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, which was to multiply ply his seed and make him a father of many nations, he was able also to perform. God not only made the promise, but he was also able to bring it to pass. Verse 22, and therefore it was imputed to him. Imputed is a, uh, an accounting term. It means it was credited to him for a future date. He didn't get it right away. It was like 25 years later, but he got it. He stood in faith. He walked the life of faith. And so it was credited to him for righteousness. In other words, his faith would one day give him right standing before God. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him or credited to him. But for us also, thank the Lord, to whom it shall be imputed or credited for a future date. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. What does it mean when you believe on him for that? You get born again. You get saved salvation wasn't in the earth right then it was imputed to us when jesus comes and he's he walks this earth and he does the will of god and he's crucified and buried and rose rose raised from the dead for our justification salvation will be made available to us and we got to collect on it when were you saved I'll just tell you before you start giving me wrong answers. Over 2,000 years ago, when did you collect on it? It was set in your account for a future date over 2,000 years ago when Christ was raised from the dead. But, you know, I didn't collect on it until August of 1969. You didn't collect on it until your date that you got born again. But it was in your account. It was imputed to you for righteousness. Something that will put you in right standing with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But did you hear some of the terminology in what we just read? Believed in hope, not weak in faith, staggered not at the promise of God, strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded. This is the definition of what real faith does. It's not temporary faith. But it's steadfast, stable, continued faith, which is living by faith, walking by faith. One preacher said, in order to be in faith, we have to overcome ignorance and indecision. When you're indecisive or you have no knowledge of what belongs to you, then uh, your faith won't work. Uh, for example, like I said, you were saved over 2,000 years ago. You were healed when they laid those stripes on Christ's back, but it, you, you weren't even here. So it was imputed for you. It was put into a, a, a bank account for you to draw from at a later date. But you didn't get saved until somebody told you it was in your account. You didn't get healed until somebody told you it was in your account. And then you drew on it. You collected something that was put aside for you for a future date a long time ago. Hallelujah. But he says, uh, in order to be in faith, we have to overcome ignorance and indecision or what the Bible would call wavering. In other words, we must know what the will of God is concerning the things that we're believing him for. If it's not God's will, if it's not in his word, don't waste your time trying to believe him for something. There's no title deed to that there's no substance going to come from that you can't have a confident expectation in something that god didn't say you have to know his will and that eliminates the ignorance that we were talking about do you know how many faith declarations and prayers are prayed uh, that never get answered because of ignorance too many 
too many. And I'll give you an example. See, you can't have real faith in something unless you know what the will of God is concerning the thing that you're believing him for. F.F. Bosworth, the author of a great book called Christ the Healer. It was one of our textbooks in Bible college. Everybody had to read it. It was mandatory. But it's a wonderful book, Christ the Healer. He said in his book that faith begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know the will of God concerning something, you can't have no faith and your faith don't even begin. So you need to know the will of uh, or the the will of God when it comes to standing in faith. And like I said, people make strong faith declarations and pray elegant prayers for healing or having their needs met or for a lost loved one to be saved. And then they nullify their statement, their declaration. They nullify their prayer. They actually nullify their faith by ending that prayer with, if it be thy will, Lord. If it be thy will, Lord. You just ruined a good declaration of faith. You just ruined a good prayer. Because if you don't know it's the will of God, you can't put any faith in it. Amen? You can put faith in it, but there's no guarantees. That'd be like Paddywhack telling me he'll meet me at the house at 9 o'clock Saturday morning to help me with my landscaping. I can put faith in that, but there's no guarantee he'll be there or be there on time. Why? Paddywhack can fail. You and I can fail, but God never fails. Amen? So, uh, you can't make a faith declaration or pray in faith if you don't know what the will of God is concerning that thing. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So let's settle a few questions here right now. I want you to know, according to Isaiah 53, that God brutalized his own son, laid stripes on his back to purchase healing for us so that we could say by his stripes, I'm healed. Is it God's will to heal? He brutalized his own son. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Is it God's will to provide our needs? Are you starting to see this? We can believe God for healing. We can declare by his stripes, I'm healed because we know it's his will. We can, we can declare and pray for our needs to be met because I know it's his will. I can put faith in that because God said it. Peter said in 2 Peter 3, 9, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then he proved it by crucifying his only begotten son, John 3, 16, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Is it God's will to save people? Is it God's will to save that crazy relative of yours? The one that you don't think will ever be saved. Yes, it is. You can put faith in that because it's God's will. He said it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we shouldn't be ending these prayers with, if it be thy will, Lord. We know his will concerning these things. Now, there are times when to say, if it be the Lord's will. You know, James said, don't say that uh, we'll do this tomorrow or that tomorrow. Say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that tomorrow. Because I don't know the Lord's will concerning doing this or that tomorrow. I might not be here tomorrow. So that's okay to say if it's the Lord's will. Because I don't know the Lord's will concerning that. James 1, 2 through 8. We looked at this, I don't know, last week or the week before. We looked at it quite a bit. It's one of my favorite passages. But James says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. Let patience play out. Let it work for you. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom or anything else, this, this is a passage of scripture that works for anything that you're lacking. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, lack healing, lack money, lack love, lack joy, lack whatever, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. 
And it means that it will not only be given you, it will be given you liberally. And it says, and upbraideth not. That means that he won't chastise you for it. He won't criticize you and say, well, you should know this and you should know what my will is concerned. No, he won't do that. He'll just give you what you ask for. Amen. But let him ask in faith. This is what I want to get to. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now, how many knows a man living and walking by faith is never unstable? He's steadfast and sure. He's confident. Some people say, he will, and a minute later say, he won't. I can, I can't. I'm healed, I'm dying. I'm prospering, I'm broke. I'll make the rent, I won't make the rent. That's unstable. No stability in that. That's unsure, no confidence in that. No faith in that. And James said, let not that man think that he shall receive anything. Of the Lord. See, being unsure will cause you to waver. Wavering will cause you to be unstable. And instability, you won't get anything from the Lord. And, you know, when you're like that, I don't know who you're trusting in or what you're trusting in, but you're not trusting in the Lord that I know. You can't be. Because you're not persuaded that what he said will come to pass so we can't allow ourselves to become unstable that's not good for us amen Uh, especially when it comes to the things of God because we need to receive from him every day we need to exercise faith every day to receive the things that we need from the from the Lord give us this day our daily bread see we need daily things And we have to trust the Lord for some things, and we have to believe him for some things. You need protection every day. You need to prosper every day. You need joy every day. You need your children to be safe every day. There's things you need on a daily basis, so we need our faith every day. We need to exercise our faith every day for something that we need from the Lord. That's how important it is. It could be financial help, material needs, help with the kids. Uh, We have to have faith that doesn't waver for those things. Everything around us constantly changing. But God and his word never changes. He's stable. His word is stable. As a matter of fact, it's a rock. It's a foundation. It's a cornerstone. It's a movable It's unchangeable. And, you know, it doesn't make any difference what's on the news. It doesn't make any difference who our government leaders are. It doesn't make any difference what the price of groceries or gasoline or rent or anything else is. He said he'll supply our needs. He didn't say unless they go over $3 a gallon. If it's $5 a gallon and it's still a need, he will provide it. But it takes faith to believe for that. Amen. I hate high gas prices. I always always did. I went through the 70s where you had to literally stand in line on odd and even days, depending on your license plate, to get 10 gallons of gas. That was the limit. 10 gallons of gas didn't even get me back and forth to work all week. I had to go to several different gas stations and do the same thing. Getting gas for our cars was a chore back then. It was an all-day event if you wanted to get filled up. But you know what? As much as I hated it, as much as I complained about it, I never didn't have enough money to fill it up. Even when it was off the charts price-wise, I could always fill it up if they would let me. I always got the 10-gallon limit two and three times a week. But I never was short on it. Why? Because it was a need and God provided it. And I didn't feel the crunch in my budget like most people would do if gas goes up another dollar a gallon. A lot of people would feel that. 
I don't go by feelings. You don't go by feelings. You go by what God said. He will supply all our needs according to his riches, not your riches, in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? We got to get to that place, people, I'm telling you, because the world is moving in that direction. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to prepare you. I'm not trying to put negative thoughts in your head. I just want your faith at a level where it won't bother you when it does happen. Because you'll be trusting in him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me see here. I still got plenty of time. If I don't, I'll borrow from next week. But you can't go according to what's going on around us, what the news is saying, what the economy looks like, who's in charge, who's the president. Uh, you know, all of that will bring you to a place of instability. And we cannot do that because it will cause us to draw back. But how do I get to the place of stability? How do I get to the place where I really know him? How do I get to the place where I'm no longer wondering what his will is? How do I get to the uh, faith I need to be fully persuaded? There is a path. Romans 10, 16, and 17. It says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Not everybody obeys the word. Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Did you believe it? I think you did. You're sitting here this morning. And then he says in verse 17, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It seems like he changed subjects. It seems like he ended something and started something else. But no, they blend together. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. It takes faith to obey the word. Isaiah said, or Isaiah, Lord, who hath believed our report? It takes faith to believe God's report because it's contrary to the world's report. It's contrary to the report that you're hearing. It's easy to believe CNN, even though they're lying through their teeth. It's easy to believe the, the lying news, but it's hard to believe God. It should be the other way around. I'm telling you, Pastor, and I just quit watching news. There is nothing of value in the news. I don't even watch the weather anymore. If I want to know what the weather is, I look out the window. Because it's not going to change my life. If I plan to do something, I'm going to do it anyway. I ain't afraid to go out in the rain or the snow or the sleet or anything else. It's not going to change my life. I don't need to know what the weather is. Now, I look at my weather app in the morning so I know how to dress when I take the pooch out. Amen. If it's 38 degrees, I don't want to go out there in my wife beater T-shirt and find out it's 38 degrees and the wind is blowing. I want to have a jacket on. But that's as far as I go with the weather. I don't next week or next few days. They don't know. They're telling you they know, but it, it, it never the same. They're the only people I know that can change every day and still get paid at the end of the week. If I didn't perform, I didn't get paid. I'd get fired. But anyway, faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word. Not just hearing it once, but constantly over and over and over, hearing and hearing and hearing. And the more you hear, the more you know. And this eliminates the ignorance that we were talking about earlier. And it also helps you to know your heavenly father better because the more you know the word, the more you know him. And the more you know him, the more you know his character and you know he loves you beyond any shadow of a doubt. You know he saved you. You know he wants to heal you. He, you know he wants to prosper you. Why? Because I know him. People have said things and I immediately knew they weren't true. Couldn't give you scripture or verse, but just by knowing him and knowing the character of him, I knew that ain't true. That's false doctrine right there. And let it go in one ear and right out the other. I find scripture and verse for it later. But at the time, I didn't have scripture and verse, but I just knew it wasn't right. Amen. And, and you'll learn that he's worthy of our trust. 
He's worthy of our trust. He's trustworthy. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You keep hearing and hearing and hearing until you're convinced. You keep hearing and hearing and hearing until you're fully persuaded. You keep hearing and hearing and hearing until you're strong in faith, giving glory to God. It comes little by little, little at a time. So faith will bring you things you've never experienced before. And when it does, you'll give glory to God. You know, since, <laughs> since God healed me and Pastor Red of this last bout of COVID, and I'm not glorifying the devil, but it was rough. I've been giving him glory every night when I go to bed. I give him glory and thanks for healing us every night. And it's coming from my heart. It's heartfelt. I really glorify him for that. So, you know, when God heals you, you'll give him glory. And when God saves a loved one that you've been praying for, you'll give him glory. And when God meets that need that looked impossible, you'll give him glory. Strong in faith, giving glory to God. Hebrews 6, 13. You can turn there. We're going to go all the way to verse 20. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater... He swore by himself. I mean, you know, we can swear to God because he's greater than us. But who does God make an oath to? Who does God swear to? There's no one greater than him. He swears to himself. And then if he didn't fulfill what he swore to, he would cease being God. So the Bible is a book of promises that God backs with an oath. They're not just empty promises. He backed them with an oath. He swore by himself. He put himself on the line and, and he is a hundred percent true. The word is a hundred percent true because God attested to it. God swore to it. Verse 14 saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee and multiplying. I will multiply thee. He's talking to Abraham. And so after he had patiently endured Abraham, he obtained the promise. Like I said, it was some 25 years later. And his promise is still being fulfilled all these centuries later. He's in heaven, but his promises are still being fulfilled because it, his seed is still producing. Amen. Because we're the seed of Abraham. We're the spiritual seed of Abraham. And people are getting saved every day. So it's still producing. The promise hasn't been completely fulfilled yet. It's still in process. For men verily swear by the greater. And who's the greater? The one who can enforce the promise and punish anyone for failure to keep it. That makes him the greater one. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. We have a promise that was sworn to us by the greater one. And once we receive it by faith, we no longer have to strive over it or sweat it. It's as good as done. No more strife. Verse 17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, the children of faith, you and I, that's the heirs of promise, the immutability or unchangeability of his counsel or of his word he confirmed it with an oath that by two immutable things, unchangeable things, his promises and his oath, that's the two immutable things, the two unchangeable things, the promises he made and his oath to keep them in which it was impossible for God to lie. And I add this, it's not only impossible for God to lie, it's impossible for God to fail. That we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. To lay hold upon the confident expectation that's been set before us. The promises. So in the Old Testament, there were cities of refuge. If you remember reading them, they were safe havens for uh, people that were... Guilty or not guilty, haven't been proven in a court of law, but whether they were guilty or innocent, 
There was a city of refuge they could flee to for safety, for safe haven. And nobody could go in there and drag them out or arrest them. It was a safe haven. Christ is our refuge. He's who we run to for refuge. He's who we run to for safety and escape punishment for our sins. Hallelujah. And then in verse 19, it says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. And so here Paul changes his analogy from cities of refuge in the Old Testament to a refuge, uh, to a ship that has just reached safe harbor that just came through tempestuous storms and perilous storms shipwrecking type storms but made it to a place of refuge a safe haven where it could drop its anchor and paul said that anchor is an anchor for our soul he's telling us that uh, the ship's anchor is sure and steadfast safe in the harbor they couldn't drop that anchor out in the ocean during the storm because the, the ship has to roll with the storm otherwise it'll tear it apart but once in the safe haven, the place of refuge, it could drop its anchor. And that represents the believer who has hope in eternal life that's anchored in heaven. Our eternal life is anchored in heaven. And the more we feed on the word, Brother Hagen calls it faith food, the more our soul gets anchored. The anchor of our soul gets more steadfast. No more wavering, being tossed about with every wave of the sea. Uh, no more getting blown about in every storm. And the more stable we become, the more persuaded we become until we finally become fully persuaded. And there's a difference. Then in verse 20, it says, Whither the forerunner is for us entered into Entered even Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So a forerunner is someone who runs before us. He makes the way before us. He tests everything that we're going to go through before us. He tastes everything that we're going to go through before us. He tasted death for us because he knew we would have to go through it. He wanted to make sure it would be okay for us. And it was made okay for us because when he tasted it, he was raised from the dead. He said, now they can come because I tested it. And although they die, they shall live. Amen. So he's one that blazes the tra trail. John the Baptist was a forerunner for Jesus, prepared the way for Jesus, his ministry. Jesus is our forerunner. He made the way to heaven. And now he's our high priest to represent us until we make it through the storms of life and we're finally safe in heaven, anchored in Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, we looked at it last week, but I love some of the things Paul said in the book of Acts. God told him he's going to stand before kings and dignitaries. You remember that? We studied that. And he was going to have to testify in Rome. He was going to have to preach the gospel in Rome. And Paul never questioned it or doubted it. He never wavered on that. Uh, he was fully persuaded that he would preach in Rome. He might have got how he was going to get there and all of that a little bit messed up. But he knew he was going to preach in Rome because God told him he would. And he was stoned, shipwrecked, treaded shark-infested waters, faced dangers in the city, in the deserts, and on the seas. He endured sleepless nights. He was hungry, thirsty, shivered in the cold. And besides all of that, he had the daily burden of the churches on, his, on himself. And yet, he never wavered. He was put on a ship to Rome, got caught in a hurricane. The ship was wrecked, yet he was able to say, none of these things move me. Remember I said last week that'll get you through a lot of problems if you just 
remember that and mean it. None of these things move me. The feelings don't move me. The circumstances don't move me. The storm don't move me. Nothing going on around me moves me. The only thing that moves me is faith in God's word. None of these things move me. How could he say that? Because he was stable. He was anchored. He was steadfast and unmovable. But how did he get that way? It doesn't come automatically. Prayer, fellowship with God, spending time in the word, being filled with the spirit and knowing how to hear the spirit and cooperate with the spirit. That's how you get to be to that place where you're stable. So much so that he had become fully persuaded of what? What God said. God said, you're going to Rome. You'll preach before kings and dignitaries. He became convinced concerning God's will, and he knew God's character. If God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Uh, and all these things that happened to him, he's constantly saying, that didn't move me. That ain't move me. None of these things move me. Nothing moves me. He knew he could trust and rely on the things that God said. I'm almost finished. Hang in there a couple more minutes. So when he was on that ship, on his way to Rome, or thought they were, and an angel comes to him in the middle of the night, he's down in the, whatever, the bottom of the ship, and reminded him, I don't know why the angel had to remind him, maybe he was getting a little shaky, maybe he was getting a little unstable, I don't know, it looked bad for the man. But anyway, the, the angel comes to him and reminds him, Paul, don't forget, you have to bear witness in Rome. You have to go to Rome. And Paul knew then that he couldn't die in that storm. How, uh, you know, how many times did you ever need a word to get you through something? You're trying your best. You're staying in faith. You're doing everything you know how to do. You're quoting the word. And, 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 but you just needed a little something extra. You know, Elijah needed an angel come and cook him some pancakes and, and renew his strength so he can go on the strength of that food. And so Jesus needed an angel come and minister to him when he was in uh, the wilderness being tested, tempted, and tried of the devil. We all need that sometimes. And this is what Paul needed. He was convinced then that it would be even as God said. And he said, none of these things move me. So you know the story. The ship was wrecked. He floats to Melita. On a board, possibly. The only board I've ever seen in the Bible. To an island full of cannibals. And while he's sitting there by a fire trying to get warm, he goes to get a stick to throw on the fire, and a poisonous snake latches onto him. He never even got excited. He just shook that thing off into the fire. Everybody else got excited because they knew it was a deadly poisonous snake and they knew, well, they thought they knew that Paul must have did something terrible for that fate to befall him. But Paul just shook it off in the fire and kept warming himself by the fire. Nothing happened to him. And the people were amazed. And that not only saved his life, it saved everybody's life that with, was with him because now they revered him as a god. And maybe God had to cause that to happen so they wouldn't eat Paul and the rest of them. You know, I mean, there were cannibals. They were uneducated. But then he goes and gets Publius healed, the, the chief of the cannibals. He gets him healed, and then it was uphill from there, man. They treated him like royalty, put him on another ship, got him on their way. And Paul went to Rome, just like he said, just like God said he would. And so, but why was he able to do that stuff? Why was he able to say, I'm not moved by any of these things? Because he knew he couldn't die on that island. He knew he couldn't die on that shipwreck. He knew he couldn't die anywhere along the way because God told him he would preach in Rome. Now, what happened after that, he didn't know, but he knew he was going to preach to Caesar and Festus and Felix and all the dignitaries in Rome before he could die. And then he lived in Rome, got a lot of Romans saved, started churches there, home fellowships and everything before he ever died. 
And even when he died then, he knew his time was coming. He said, I ran my race. You know, I kept the faith. So God even revealed to him, he says, start rejoicing, son. You're going to be with me in a couple of days. But, you know, uh, remember what he said? He told everybody on the ship after he talked to that angel. He says, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. None of these things move me, and I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. The word. I believe the word. None of these things are going to move me. I believe the word, and I believe that it will be even as he told me. I was going to hold up my iPad, but there's other things in there. The word. I believe even as it was told me by his stripes, my God shall. He wishes above all things that I prosper and be in good health. He wants me living the abundant life. He wants me full of joy and full of life and full of peace. All these things. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Do you believe it will be even as God told you? You got the same word I do. And uh, are you fully persuaded, convinced, stable, anchored? Can you say none of these things move me and really mean it? Or do you let them move you? Do you let those things knock you to and fro? Do you let every wind and every wave blow you around with every wind of doctrine or are you stable steadfast anchored anchored in God if not then maybe we have a little work to do amen I know it's a little bit long today but I think it was worth the time and I don't know if you needed it but I did I needed it I need a boost for my faith you know, they're talking a lot about boosters nowadays. But we need a booster for our faith. Amen. I mean, we done been injected with the blood of Jesus, but every now and then you need a booster for your faith. Theirs is every six months. Ours is every day. We need a booster shot every day of the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. I behaved right up to the end, Brother Darrell. You can cut that off if you want. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we just, lift <laughs> we just lift ourselves up to you right now. Lord, we thank you that we have an anchor for our soul. We thank you, Lord, that we have your promises. And your promises are true and steadfast. They cannot fail because you swore by yourself. You took an oath that every word in this Bible is true. That's why it never changes. We never need a 2.0 version of the Bible. We never have to have an update come down the pike and tear this page out and replace it with this page. Nothing ever changes. Your word never changes. Because when you spoke it, it was perfect at the time you spoke it. It was true at the time you spoke it. And you not only spoke it for that time, you not only spoke it for now faith, but you spoke it for the future and future faith. And you've seen all the way to the end. And your word never changes. You never change. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. And as everything is changing around us, I will be steadfast and sure. I'll be anchored. My soul will be anchored in Jesus, anchored in you, anchored in the word. And I shall not be moved. None of these things shall move me. None of the things that's going around us, going on around us will move us. And we believe God. We believe that it will be even as you said it would be, Lord. So, God, we're going to find out in the word what your will is concerning things what your promise is concerning things and when we have a need or we have something we need of you we're going to make sure that our faith is up our faith is strong giving glory to you and we're going to make sure above all things lord that the thing we're believing you for is your will we're going to know it's your will to heal us we're going to know it's your will to prosper us we're going to know it's your will to deliver us 
We're going to know it's your will to protect us because you said you would in Psalms 91. You said no evil will befall us, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling. We have the promise. You swore an oath to it, Lord. And if there's a problem with it, it's on our side of the fence. We're the ones with the problem. We got to get our faith up to the place where we can honestly believe that no evil will befall us or any plague come nigh our dwelling. It's more than just a promise. It's a promise that you guarantee. We have a title deed to that promise. And the title deed is our faith. It's our faith that will give substance to the things that we confidently expect. And when it comes to your word, we can confidently expect it to come to pass. It's been sworn to by the greater one with an oath. So we thank you that you love us that much, Lord. Help us get to the place where we're stable. We're fully persuaded. There's no doubt, no room for doubt, no room for feelings. But we will walk and live by faith in Jesus' name. And Lord, I lift up everybody that's in this room within the sound of my voice on Facebook and Spotify and YouTube. God, if there's any amongst us sick or in need of something from you, we pray that that healing would come to their bodies, to their family, to their loved ones. We pray that every need would be met according to your riches and glory. We pray, Father, that you protect them everywhere they go with everything they do. And, Father, we thank you and praise you that we have these wonderful promises and we have the word and that people can be healed because it's your will. People can be saved because it's your will. People can be uh, prospering because it's your will. People can have joy, walk in love, and have peace because it's your will. So we pray these things for everyone, Lord, all our families, extended families, church family, even the ones that ain't here, even the ones that hear it later. We send it forward by faith in Jesus' name, and we thank you and praise you for it in advance. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. I pray you got something out of this today. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you. And remember, Jesus is Lord.